Welcome to the Wealth Setting Podcast. This is episode 158. It's December 2nd, 2015. I'm your host, John Pagliano. Welcome back for part two, where we're going to talk about a current market update. We're going to finish our discussion talking about global currencies, retail sales, manufacturing, all that and more. So hey, without any further ado, let's get started with part two. A lot of people would expect precious metals to to be doing well right now with the concern about the global economy, with the recent terrorism that we saw happening in Europe, with uh, turbulence in the Middle East, with all these problems going on in China, with our government cracking down on the financial industry. Many people had anticipated that gold was going to skyrocket. You remember a few months or so ago, gold was approaching 1200 Well, all that's fallen apart. Gold is back to the levels that we haven't seen since the end of 2009. Uh, last, it's, it's recovered a little bit right now. Last week, it had gotten as low as 1055 I want to reiterate, I'm not a buyer of precious metals right now. I think as long as oil and petroleum prices stay below $50 a barrel, You'll see gold at subdued prices. The floor could still drop out of it because of lack of demand coming out of China and coming out of India. I don't know how low it will go. Based on the historical relationship that gold has with petroleum prices, I wouldn't be surprised to see gold dip below $700 an ounce. Now, I know that's heresy to a lot of people. I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying that that's likely when you have oil at or below $40 a barrel. And that's right where oil is, and that's even after OPEC and Saudi Arabia uh, was trying to talk up raising the price, uh, reducing their production. That's after we had the terrorist attacks in France. This is still coming on the heels of Turkey shooting down a Russian fighter jet somewhere on the Syrian border. All these issues, and neither gold nor oil are budging. I think that's a harbinger of things to come. I think we're going to continue to see these depressed commodity prices unless there's that black swan event of major hostilities breaking out in the Middle East. And that always has to be taken into consideration because when so much money can be made on at oil at you know over $100 a barrel, then there are a lot of countries and companies that have an interest in promoting hostilities in the Middle East. Now let's move on and let's talk about currencies. The U.S. dollar remains strong. It's going to finish out the year strong. I anticipate it to go even higher next year. I have a long position in the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar index is at an eight-month high. The dollar to euro exchange rate is nearly at a dollar five and a half. I believe it's going to go to parity with the euro in the coming months. And again, that's because we're continuing to see the European economy at near recession levels. Southern Europe is in a mess. Central and Northern Europe is going to have a hard time absorbing the Syrian refugees. There's the continued problem of terrorism. There's the military and security buildup that the governments of Europe are going to have to increase their funding to. That will hurt their GDP. And the European Central Bank is going to continue its ultra-easy policy. All those things are going to contribute to the strength of the U.S. dollar and the weakening of the euro. Now, a lot's been made the past few days about the International Monetary Fund accepting the Chinese yuan into their basket of international currencies. Some people are really getting their panties rolled up in a wad. You're hearing a lot of the gloom and doom prognosticators claiming that this is the end of the U.S. dollar, that the dollar is going to lose its dominance, that the dollar will no longer be the reserve currency. Ignore all that commentary. We've been hearing this for years. We've been hearing this at the same time that the U.S. dollar keeps gaining its strength against these other currencies. 
We saw the Chinese in late summer devaluate their currency by 2%. That was the main factor that the market had such an abrupt pullback and a flash crash around August 24th and 25th. I think that China's acceptance into the world currency is going to make it more volatile and we will see additional devaluation of the yuan because that's the only way that China can try and stimulate its economy right now. So expect the Chinese currency to continue to go down. That's going to strengthen the dollar. And I would just tell you to brush your concerns away about all the gloom and doomers that are telling you that the U.S. is going to lose its uh, reserve currency status. I mean, as you travel around the world, as I've done doing business, an American 20 or American $100 bill is recognized throughout the world. In the most remotest parts of the world that you can go, people recognize that currency. They know the value of it. That isn't going to change anytime soon. The U.S. dollar right now is stronger and has a brighter future than it has probably in the last 20 years, certainly the last 15 years. And just as the English language is the preferred way to communicate throughout the world, the U.S. dollar will remain the dominant currency. Now, that doesn't mean that other currencies may continue to gain in popularity, just like other languages may continue to gain in popularity. But the bottom line is the preferred business language, the preferred cultural language, the preferred media language is English. And the preferred currency that's recognized throughout the world is the U.S. dollar. That's not changing anytime soon. I don't like to make forecasts out in the future and predictions because, as I say, I don't have a crystal ball. You know, I don't have a Ouija board. But I'll tell you this. If the U.S. dollar is to lose its status as the reserve currency, then I would be betting my money on a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin to grow in stature more so than I would look to something like the Chinese currency or the euro for that matter. But that's all way off into the future. That's nothing that we need to worry about now. Don't let the gloom and doomers scare you. Your U.S. dollar, it's going to hold its value. And I think you can take that to the bank. Oh, one last comment about the Chinese yuan. Of course it should be admitted into the International Monetary Fund's basket of currencies. China is the world's second largest economy. Its economy is somewhere in the neighborhood of $10 trillion. But despite that, despite how large the Chinese economy is, its currency is only used in about 3% or less of global transactions. So it's really at rock bottom lows. It can only improve and be used more in world currency. And why shouldn't it be? If the Saudi Arabians want to take the Chinese renminbi in exchange for oil, and then they want to turn around with that renminbi and buy some exports from Chinese manufacturing, why wouldn't they want to do that? That makes perfect sense, and that's not going to affect your purchases or your investments in the U.S. dollar when you're carrying out your transactions in, you know, Wichita, Kansas. So yes, expect the yuan to to grow in its usage because it is only, as I say, 3%, and China is the world's second largest economy. It has to grow. But it's only going to grow as people have faith and confidence and respect in not only the Chinese government, but the all the Chinese institutions and the stability of the Chinese economy. And right now, that's not happening. And as I said just a few minutes ago, if anything, this is going to lower the value of the yuan, not raise it. That's going to have a negative effect on some of these Chinese stocks that trade here on the, on the U.S. exchanges. 
And you're going to hear a lot of complaining from the politicians and U.S. manufacturers and the U.S. labor unions about how unfair and how undervalued the the, uh, Chinese government is suppressing the value of their currency just to compete and to increase their exports and to increase the, the trade imbalance in their favor. But that's going to happen because China is in a death spiral right now and they're throwing everything at it they can to increase their GDP. And devaluating the currency is one of the last things they have left to do. So look for that to happen as we go into 2016. Again, that's only going to stabilize and strengthen the U.S. dollar. Now, we have OPEC meetings going on this week. Um, I touched on that a a little bit in this episode. Uh, Again, we'll just briefly say I don't see the price of oil going up as we go into 2016. OPEC has lost its status to control pricing. Saudi Arabia is no longer the swing producer. With the United States more than doubling its oil production in the last six or seven years, and with all the pipe and all the wells that are currently in the ground in the U.S., it's going to be very hard for OPEC to get pricing. You have countries like Iran that are coming online. They're going to be producing about 50% more. That's probably another million or two barrels of oil a day that the market doesn't need. Well, that's going to be coming onto the market. That's going to help to either keep prices low or to even take them lower. Goldman Sachs has said that a worst case for scenario for oil in 2016 could get down into the like $22, $25 a barrel range. Now, it wouldn't stay there long term, but if you continue to see the global slowdown, if with the, if more countries go into recession, if Iranian oil comes onto the market, then temporarily you could see oil dropping down to that, you know, 20 something dollars a barrel range. So for the near-term future, unless there's major war in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia and OPEC have lost their pricing control. Now, the last two things that I want to touch on before I finish up this episode are the gloom and doom we're hearing about retail sales and about slowdown in U.S. manufacturing. Well, neither of these are new. Retail inventories have been high all summer long. I bought in too early into my Walmart stock uh, earlier this year. I think it was in either early August or late July. I was trying to catch a falling knife getting in on a blue chip stock that's a good dividend payer, but I got in way too early. Walmart isn't the only retailer that's fallen out of favor. Nordstrom's, Macy's, Target, they're all down substantially year to date, some of them in excess of 30%. But these high-quality retailers are not going out of business. That's the emphasis I want to put forward right now. You're seeing all this media news about the demise of the brick-and-mortar retailer. And, you know, this is a trend that's been going on for well over a decade, probably 15 years. We know this is coming. We know every year the retail brick-and-mortars lose a percentage of their sale to the online retailers. A lot of that is being focused into Amazon. But Amazon is not the only online seller. Companies like Walmart are fighting back. That's one of the reasons I'm invested in Walmart. I think for the long term, it has a bright future, not only as a brick-and-mortar retailer, but also as an online retailer. There's a category of customers that will always shop at Walmart as long as they get good service and as long as the prices are low and it's convenient to get the products. For all the advantages that Amazon has to retailing online, what they lack is that immediate delivery and the distribution centers all over the country. That's what they're trying to catch up on right now. That's their challenge. That's what they're going to have to invest in in the future. Well, the corollary to that is that Walmart already has all those local distribution systems. 
you know, something like 90 some percent of the U.S. population lives within 15 minutes of a Walmart. So those brick and mortar stores are Walmart's local distribution networks that Amazon is trying to create. And then likewise, all that effort that Amazon is pushing into the local delivery status, well, Walmart is pushing back, extending their ability to sell online. So it's a tug of war. Neither one of those is going to lose. In 10 years, Amazon is going to be stronger. Walmart is going to be stronger. Now, where you're going to see the losers in the retail brick and mortar uh, market is those competitors that have been losing market share for decades. The Sears, the Kmarts, the Barnes & Noble, the Best Buys. The other areas that are going to struggle are going to be just the general department stores. Now, Macy's is, is still going to survive because they have a good brand. Nordstrom's has an excellent brand. They're going to have to adapt, but they will survive. But a lot of these department stores and then the smaller regional stores in the malls, they're going to have a tough time surviving. And where you're going to see the real problem is in, the, is in that retail real estate. I personally would not have anything to do right now with retail, REITs, or real estate investment trusts. I think filling up that mall space is going to be a real problem going ahead you know, into this next decade. That's where the real losers are going to be, but as far as Kohl's and TJ Maxx and Target, they're all going to be fine. They're all going to survive. Don't believe the gloom and doom. Online sales still account for something like only 8 to 10% of overall retail sales. They got a long way to grow, and I think it's a comparison we can make with the Chinese yuan. As I said, you know, China is the second largest economy in the world, and yet their currency is only used in 3% of the transactions. They got a long way to go, but that's not going to hurt the U.S. dollar. Likewise, online sales are going to continue to grow, but they're not going to hurt the strong retailers. Now, again, Sears, I would write them off. They've been losing market share for decades. A company like JCPenney's, um, they might be able to reinvent themselves. They've done a, a better job since they fired their old CEO from Apple. Uh, but I wouldn't put any money on JCPenney's. I think they, you know, they have the possibility, but they are a long shot for a turnaround. But Walmart, Nordstrom's, Target, Kohl's, they're not going anywhere. They will adjust and adapt to the terrain of the new retail environment. They've been doing it for years. They will do it for years into the future. Let me digress a second here and make a point about retail sales. And I want to illustrate this by a personal example. One of the purchases I made for myself this Black Friday was to buy a new holster. Now, regular listeners to the Wellsteading podcast will know that earlier this summer, I mentioned that I did get my concealed carry permit. It's something that I'd put off for a long time because I couldn't find a, a comfortable enough holster. I have lower back problems. Carrying things is not always easy for me. I didn't want to put up with the inconvenience of a holster that didn't, didn't feel right. Well, when I tried a Foxy Tuck holster, it worked for me. I've been using this holster now for, I don't know, five months maybe. I liked it so much that I went out and bought another one. I wanted to have a holster for a semi-automatic as well as a revolver. Hey, I figure I can be appropriately dressed for any occasion that way. So that was one of the purchases that I made. I bring that up because I also made a lot of purchases online. Most of those purchases went through Amazon. I was buying a few things for myself, but also a lot of gifts for my kids and for my family members. You know, we're doing our Christmas shopping early. I did a lot of that online. I also went out to some local stores and bought things there. And then I emphasized that I also bought this holster. That's the way of the future retail economy. 
You're going to be buying things from Amazon. You're going to be buying things from traditional brick and mortar stores. But the magic of the internet is also going to open up opportunities for entrepreneurs to sell their products and to sell their wares. And it's not just going to be to local markets. The irony of all this and the reason I'm bringing it up is that Liberty Fox Defense is run by my friend Thomas, who only lives about 20 minutes from me. But you know, Thomas and I didn't meet locally. We met through the internet. We met through podcasting. And his business has now grown from not just a local provider of custom holsters, but now he sells them throughout the U.S. He's expanded his market because people like me have liked his holsters. I talk about on the podcast, listeners like you in the audience have purchased from him. He's gotten excellent reviews from other people in the industry. In fact, in the show notes of today's episode, I'll put in a link to the Doc Gun review that was done on the Foxy Tuck holster. That's one of the things that actually prompted me to, to try the holster. I'd known Thomas. I'd known that he'd made quality holsters. But when I read the Doc Gun review, I said, hey, this is maybe something I should try. I tried it. I liked it. And now I've bought my second one. And this is from a guy that started locally, but now he's expanding because of exposure he gets on the Internet by producing a quality product that people want and need. That's the magic of the internet and entrepreneurs that learn how to harness that energy are going to make profits into the future. That's going to happen with the big companies like Google and Amazon and Apple and it's going to happen with the small companies like Liberty Fox Defense and InvestableWealth.com and all of those little mom and pop businesses out there that are able to adapt to this changing global economy. It's going to be bad news for some people but it's going to be good news for others. And that brings us to the last thing I want to comment on, which is the slowdown in U.S. manufacturing. Again, that's being hyped in the media right now. A lot of people are worried about that. That's one of the reasons that Wall Street rallied, because they're convinced that if U.S. manufacturing slows down, that's going to keep the flow of easy money. And what I want to emphasize to you is that this, again, is nothing new. We've known that as long as we see a strong U.S. dollar, it is going to have at least a short-term or a near-term impact on the profits of not only multinational companies, but also American companies that are exporters. And so that is destined to hit the manufacturing base of our country. That's going to result in layoffs, and there are going to be losers in that environment. But this is not something that just occurred overnight. It's been going on for at least 18 months now. We're seeing the potential for a global recession, and at some point, if that happens, those chickens are going to come home to roost in the United States. It's going to affect our multinational companies, it's going to affect our manufacturers, and it will trickle down throughout the economy. That's why I remain concerned when we're seeing the stock market at near record highs and a very large expansion of the valuations in many of these stocks that I think are overpriced and not justified. Now, we've had a great run. This is the third longest bull market in history. There's been a lot of money to be made, but now is the time to be cautious. When I look at a chart of the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ or the Dow, I don't necessarily see a chart that's moving up and to the right. I see a market that, that is potentially rolling over, perhaps forming a head and shoulders pattern. That's a negative sign. That's at least something that you should draw caution with. You should be concerned, but at the same time, don't be pessimistic. Look for opportunities. 
2016 is going to present a lot of opportunities for not only local entrepreneurs, but also for some excellent opportunities in the stock market, both domestically and internationally. That's why I remain with an overweighted position in the U.S. dollar. I have a lot of my money in cash just sitting there. My powder is dry and I'm getting ready to put that to work. We're going to see, I believe, a number of sector rotations, and that's going to create some exciting opportunities in the coming weeks and months. So don't believe all this gloom and doom. The U.S. dollar isn't losing its reserve status. The American brick-and-mortar retail market isn't falling apart, and the spirit of the entrepreneur isn't dead. I'm excited about the coming year. I see a lot of opportunities. I'm moving forward cautiously, but I am optimistic and I'm looking forward to making a lot of money in 2016. So keep your chin up. Don't let the gloom and doomers get you down. Enjoy the holiday season. And as always, I invite you back to the next episode. Until then, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best of returns.